we decided when we got married in 2012 to spend our honeymoon in New Zealand wolfing. We worked on 16 different farms over six months. And it was also really great just getting to see all the different types of farms and homesteads and learning from all of them and then kind of dreaming as we were working of what our farm would be like one day. We only sell the produce that we grow. That's so cool. We don't aggregate any produce in from other farmers. We do, however, get in eggs from our friend. Our 18 chickens could not keep up with the demand. <laughs> oh. that's, that's like that's six awesome. dozen a week at best. So oh, okay. we can't. Okay. Those are sold by 915. Right. <laughs> the market, so. And they're all like brassicas. And we're like, man, these are the most nutrient dense microgreens. Let's call it powerhouse. And I swear just the name like sold that product. So that's oh, another, that's cool. Yeah. We grow a mustard green that tastes like wasabi. As soon as people see the word wasabi, if you're a spice fan, they like, they want it. And then sunflower shoots and pea shoots are probably our best sellers. All right, welcome back to Edible Economy. I'm Nate. And I'm Kim. And we are sitting with Justin and Michaela. Welcome today, guys. Hello. Hi. They are from Tower View. Um, Farmyard. Farmyard. Yep. Out of Arvada. Uh, really... Arvada, Colorado. Yes, Arvada, Colorado. Is there another Arvada somewhere <laughs> I that I'm know, unaware but... of? Hopefully there's people in India. Arvada, Alabama. So... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, Arvada, Colorado, for all of those people in India that are listening yeah. today. Yeah. I did get a an email from somebody that they're an Iraqi farmer and they want me to do marketing for them on <laughs> our farmers market pages and he sent me like 75 That's five pictures. Just fake. No, he had anyways, some anyway. Anyways, Tower View <laughs> Farmyard and this is going to be all about like real urban farming and what like going from having jobs like well like full-time like office you know go to work jobs whatever those were <laughs> and um to work to decide to be a farmer and like be working at home 24 7 really right because that's what farming is yeah, that's Hello? the goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, welcome, guys. That's the goal, yeah. To, well, I wish it was the case that both of us were 24-7 on the farm, but Michaela still works full-time. and I'm considered the sugar mama of oh, this nice. operation. Yes. yes, all right. So I'd handle the day-to-day -day operations and animals. and. But life goals, yes, both of us be full-time farmers. That's awesome. So what do you do when you're not farming? Um, I'm the director of operations for a skincare company. Okay. So mainly pain creams. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Maybe you can grow some stuff to use in that one day, right? No, I want to be a farmer. I want okay. to get out of nice. it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a big leap. We um, One of the biggest mistakes that I think a lot of people tell entrepreneurs early on is, well, you either got to be all in or all out. You, you can't be, and I think that is the biggest mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs do is just quit um, because they listen to, well, what's the worst that can happen? You just go back and get your job. Well, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that can happen along the way to that, mm -hmm. which one of them is your dream and what you're doing with your entrepreneurship might not work if you can't fund it along the way. But there's it's a fine cool. line where there is. where Justin had to kind of balance uh, a work schedule and farming until he realized that it was affecting the the crops and whatnot, and that he had to. There's a there's definitely a time that he had to decide one yeah. way or another. You can only go into work so early in the morning to get out by <laughs> noon, and then put you know the rest of the sunlight into the farm and you're going to burn out really fast. And that's what happened in the beginning of this season. So I'm oh, okay. no longer working. Was that this year is yeah. the decision was mm -hmm. made? Awesome. And last season. Yeah. Okay. Same thing happened. So, okay, nice. So tell us guys, um, how'd you get started? What, what, what made this what was passion? It made? Yeah. Uh, we, so we got a book it had to have been 2008. It's called self-sufficiency for the 21st century. It's by Dick Strawbridge. He was uh, he was on Garbage War Garbage Wars for a long time. He's one of the characters on there, but okay. He and his son wrote a book, and it 
kind of encapsulated everything that we wanted to do. It touches on farming, um, construction. Homesteading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just yeah. being self-sufficient in mm-hmm. general. And I would say that was kind of the catalyst that um, sparked the idea. And then we found out about woofing. Um, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. 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 So what does it even stand for? World, worldwide, worldwide Organization for Organic Farming. Opportunities yes. for Organic Farming. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so we decided um, when we got married in 2012 to spend our honeymoon in New Zealand woofing. And so we worked on 16 different farms over six months. And since neither of us had a farming background, we just figured it was the best way to learn is to jump in and be a farmhand. And it was also really great just getting to see all the different types of farms and homesteads and learning from all of them. And then kind of dreaming as we were working of what our farm would be like one day. That and is amazing. Yeah, it is it really a dedication. <laughs> it was really a good way to travel the country too. Um, the only way we could have afforded a six-month honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> a long honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. So we got to stay with our hosts and meet their friends and family and go out to restaurants and bars with them, and it was definitely a much more personal experience than a just being a tourist. Yeah. yeah, and we would ask them like, "What's the one thing?" you know, you would have done differently or you would have started right away. And we've got a lot of, of, we still are friends with some of the hosts and whatnot. And so it was a great experience. And we actually became Wolf hosts ourselves recently. So we have people come work at our farm for the day in exchange for food. And we've come full circle. That's cool. (laughs) It's wonderful. We couldn't wait to become Wolf wolf hosts when we were Woofers ourselves. So it feels great to... Give back a little bit, I guess. Yeah. And it's also free labor for us. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier that you you probably, there's probably no kids in the future. So those are your kids then, right? These woofers that come along and they're already full grown and pretty self-sufficient. That's true. <laughs> and we can just impart knowledge and send them off into the world. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yep. Yes. What were some of the things when you asked that question about if you could do something differently, what would you do? What were some of the answers? Do you remember some of the answers? I would say the top answer was plant fruit trees. Okay. First. Right when you... Right away. Yeah. Plant right trees. Land. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's probably... Um, a mixed bag of answers. Yeah. I mean... A lot of it was the setup of their farm that it would have been more efficient if they, you know, maybe did like a permaculture style design. And that's also where we learned about permaculture is um, over there in New Zealand. Didn't it originate in Australia? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think those are the main kind of ones is, were those two. Is that your all's farming style, permaculture, or we what would you say your style incorporate is? elements of permaculture um, just to make our lives easier, especially the zoning, like keeping uh, our growing areas in zones, uh, house being zone one, and then traveling farther away from the house, zone two and zone three and zone four. And that's things you visit less, you know, maybe a corn crop out in, zone three and then some agroforestry out in zone four so but we've had to kind of blend that model with um, market gardening and profitable farming because i know permaculture is kind of like a self-sufficient ecosystem in a way where you're mimicking nature and so we do have some limitations where you know we can't exactly do no-till with how many um, turnovers we need to do for each bed to be profitable so um, we're kind of blending that and another major um, style would be regenerative agriculture. Okay. And that we're kind of um, really researching and trying to implement some practices as far as like our soil and whatnot, but we would probably uh, implement those more on land that we own. Okay. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. kind of future goals. Okay, yeah. Because if you don't own it, you wouldn't want to make all those improvements. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what next year brings. The amount of time it would take also just to regenerate soil. Okay. Um, using ruminants and chickens primarily to regenerate the soil. Okay. So that's pretty cool that you guys started this dream at a rental house mm-hmm. with... It must be a good amount of land, or I mean, a decent. There's a sixth of an acre growing space back there, and there's more we could probably take advantage of. But our our dogs play back there too, and we'd want to take the whole yard from them. So, (laughs) okay. But yeah, technically we are just renting, and the landlord actually 
was a customer of mine a couple of years ago and he said, I have this great property where you could have chickens. And I was like, tell me more. And, uh, <laughs> and so he just said that he's owned it since 99 and he'd love somebody to farm it. And so I don't think he quite knew what he was getting into when we said we'd farm it. Yeah. And so, um, he didn't think it would be nearly as big as, or if we were even going to market, he had right. kept him so in the dark cool. and kind yeah. of asked forgiveness later. But, lu- <laughs> but luckily he doesn't mind. He, he hasn't gotten scared away, you know, with us laying out these huge tarps and slowly taking up more and more land. He said as long as the neighbors are okay with it, because there is four um, units um, that share the backyard. Okay. So we just share vegetables and you know they're happy (laughs) they haven't complained anyway (laughs) and you probably give them some eggs now and then yeah they're well technically (laughs) the eggs belong to them a bit because we're allowed to have five chickens per residence in our bed and we have the four residences on the property so we have had 20 chickens nice well done (laughs) and we had the chicken police come by and check us out you're kidding me yeah (laughs) somebody complained about code enforcement animal control Animal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're so actually she, pretty nice. She came yeah. by and she was like, "Well, I'm actually a vegan. I don't. They look pretty happy." Yeah. <laughs> She's um, like, "You're not breaking any rules. Yeah. The neighbors will just have to deal with it." I'm like, "I'm sorry. They they kind of get a little clucky in the morning when they're laying." Yeah. Mm-hmm. No roosters, though, right? We don't have any roosters now. Not allowed. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's not really a need when you're growing chickens for eggs to have a rooster. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. It's just no. feed that you're. Not getting, you know, you're exactly. not getting eggs out of. If they yeah. were truly free, like free ranging or in pasture, it would be nice to have a rooster. Just they're kind of protective of the hens. Okay. And there's a couple other reasons you would have a rooster, but it doesn't really fit into our application. How are your dogs with the chickens? They ignore them. They have. Might Has as it well always not been even... the case? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Really? They're both border collies. They're really smart, so we've trained them to not oh. go near the chickens yeah they care more about sheep huh yeah (laughs) we have a bird dog and the first time the first i guess flight or whatever group of chickens that we had out here um one of them what is a group of chickens called uh a flock flock. Flock. first flock first flock that came out here not a flight not a flight Um, (laughs) anyway my brain was going to 18 different places anyway um and root our dog just immediately had one in his mouth oh but didn't kill it but he didn't kill it or do or harm it in any way yeah. he just wanted to catch it he yeah. just wanted to cuddle i mean he's, yeah. he's a lab he is a total retrieving bird dog and so he's slowly warmed up uh, i was actually out there today i've got to tell you guys this story later but anyway and i guess the chickens they were starving they hadn't been fed today and so i opened and they all just like pushed the door open and Root was right there. And they just, and they're usually scared of the dog. And they just looked at him and they're like, I don't care. This guy's getting food. And they all followed me outside. It was, it was pretty cool. But Root stayed back. Yeah. Didn't so do I anything. Finally. But we don't have a border collie. They're, isn't that what Lassie was? It was, that was a Sheltie. Oh, Sheltie. But it was a type of collie, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, gotcha. So you have sheep? Too? No, that's oh. the goal, though. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah. yeah. So now, for now, just chickens as animals, and then maybe sheep mm-hmm. for the wool. Sheep are a really versatile type of animal. You get wool, meat, milk. They lay fertilizer everywhere for yeah. you. Yeah, um, we're considering a dairy, um, and then also they're a big part of the regenerative. Uh, okay. With, do you want to explain? Yeah. It? So you. Are you familiar with uh, Richard Perkins at Ridgedale Permaculture in Sweden? Have you heard of him? You should definitely yeah. check him out. He's in, he's. We started off kind of following Curtis Curtis Stone, uh, who's the urban farmer Curtis Stone in um, Kelowna, BC, and he has a YouTube channel and he is purported to make 100k a year on a quarter of an acre, and he has multi-plot small farms around town kind of what we kind of what we do and we're trying to kind of bridge the gap in between Ridgedale and Curtis to make our operation more regenerative uh, and to also to build soil so the way we would do that is to graze our pastures with sheep pretty intensively and then follow them with either egg layers or broilers and then they would mow the grass down the rest of the way they kick apart all the feces from the you know the manure i guess it's called from the animals and 
a couple days, you know, you move the chickens every day and then the pasture just comes back stronger every time you move the animals over it. And nice. a great way to build topsoil and have a really healthy pasture. And it really uh, amounts to water conservation because like one, what do we read? One percent increase in the organic matter of soil leads to like what I remember this it's 200 percent I don't know it's some crazy number we'll have to get back to you on the, the specifics but okay <laughs> you increase the soil uh, organic content by one percent and the water retention abilities are just exponential and that's just from a one percent that's awesome that addition. is we need to do that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. great and that's regenerate regenerative farming I said it's a part of it a part of it yeah okay so the intentional uh in intensive grazing and, the and you kind of just do a small section at a time with the electric fence and then you move on so that you can time it so that the grass has the right amount of time to mm -hmm. grow back instead of just letting them uh, pasture over the whole area. Okay. So there's definitely a method to it all. But um, yeah, that's that's ultimately the goal. Mm -hmm. Oh, and bees? Do you have bees? We'd Not love right to incorporate now. that into... Yeah the farm yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's in general it would be um kind of like a small ecosystem where you would put a um pond on the property and uh, what's the term for um for once you had a pond and you can kind of change the landscape fluvial geomorphology <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> i don't know yes. And yeah, just having the bees and the diverse um, crops instead of a monoculture and just kind of um, mimicking nature and okay. yeah. instead of working against it. It seems like a lot of our agricultural woes are brought on by our own techniques. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Michaela's sister works for NRCS um, okay. in South Dakota and she works with a bunch of bi-rotational farmers who grow corn and soybeans and it's, it's, contribu it's contributing to the next Dust Bowl mainly because they're not growing a cover crop and there's not enough diversity in the soil to maintain the biology. So it could be a bad situation in the next couple of years if we might see another Dust Bowl if we don't incorporate rotational crops in. Yeah. We had a, we had a guest on recently uh, that talked about the Dust Bowl and said that, and I don't know how they proved this, back then I didn't know that they had the scientific instrumentality to do it but nonetheless that dust from Kansas and Colorado and Wyoming was making Washington DC dusty it covered the Capitol yeah the it covered the Capitol yeah that's how dusty the dust that's bowl the was dust bowl, like I never I didn't know that maybe I should have learned that I don't we know. learned about the dust bowl yeah but I just right? do not remember that yeah that's crazy that far. I, I'm not surprised but they're there they said that uh, the difference in practices and what's happening and different portions of the farm bill are in to make sure that we don't ever have another dust bowl so we'll see. <laughs> we will <laughs> see incentivize farmers to have uh, cover crops right. in their rotation and maybe throw exactly. throw an oat in there for god's <laughs> right? sakes i maybe mean not like just corn not soy. just corn and soybean and, <laughs> yeah and the dust bowl isn't the only way that soil erosion is happening it's through uh water and there's just so much uh erosion that's happening it just runs off instead of getting mm -hmm. soaked in mm -hmm. oh because of compaction and everything or just because it doesn't have the I'm organic sure matter like you guys were talking about before. Right. I'm sure it's like a multitude of things, but there's a lot of erosion. Just some huge number. I can't give you specifics. Okay. But, mm -hmm. So do you guys also farm on, do you just farm right there in one area? Or do you have other other houses or other places that you farm as well? Uh, we're looking into potentially getting some more, uh, a little bit more land for a, a a select number of crops that tend to take up a bunch of space like beets and carrots that take a long time okay like they can just go elsewhere from our high rotation garden okay oh, but we yeah. do just currently grow in our backyard mm -hmm. i think the next step would probably be buying land hopefully okay mm -hmm. well it's cool too because you guys are proving that you can grow you know you know you're proving that you can do it 
And so when you go to the bank or whoever is going to, to you know, hopefully give you the loan, they see, oh, you've done this. You're actually making money doing this. Yeah, we're actually looking into USDA loans. Yeah, oh, that's through, cool. Uh, FSA. The mm-hmm. new new farmer loans? Farm, yeah. uh, actually, farm ownership loans. We've had okay. the, our third year of production under our belt, but we'll, we'll see what, how, they, how it goes with them. Isn't that amazing that to be a new farmer, you have to have farmed at least three years? <laughs> yeah. I get it now. When I first looked into that, I was shocked. I, I, well, isn't a new farmer, a farmer who's brand new at doing this? But I can understand why the government or yeah. anyone doesn't want to give a brand new farmer you know, $100,000 sure. for land or equipment or something. We were happy yeah. to find out that our first year of just growing cover crop did count as, oh, nice. as a yeah. year. So. And that was cool. just to help our soil for the following year. Oh, okay, so. Yeah. so that's what I was about to ask. So, like, growing vegetables and selling to the public is you're in your second year right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you sell? Like, do you sell straight from the farm, like at a farm stand? We just or... do the Arvada Farmer's Market mm-hmm. as of right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, no CSAs or anything? No, not that yet. That could be on the horizon. At, okay. At the time being, we're collecting uh, signatures for people who might be interested. Um, if and when we do decide to offer a CSA, it might not be next year. Okay. Um, it might be. Um, okay. We'll... And we're we're pretty much still determining um, our inventory levels and balancing that with the sales channel. Um, I know this year we tried to sell at the Westminster Farmers Market on Saturdays as well, and we found that um, we were splitting the uh, inventory a lot of markets and then kind of selling out at both instead of kind of bringing our all to our home market, which would be the Arvada market since which we love that market I've heard such good things about it (laughs) (laughs) well I mean considering that the Arvada uh, water tower is in our logo we you know we can see the um, tower from our garden and so that's where the name came from that's cool and that's that's neat that you guys recognize that and because you've you've really grown from the very beginning to you know Last Sunday, well, let's say the Sunday before last. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you guys have continued to grow, and you guys have quite the following now, don't you? Yeah. And Feels you have your way. regulars, yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, they they people get angry when you don't have the product that they want. <laughs> they come, they're like, "You hooked me, and then you took it away." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so that's just a problem we've been having is not having enough supply to satisfy everybody who might want to buy a specific item at. Problems a small farm has, you know, we're experiencing for sure. Yeah. And and so you primarily just selling to individuals at the market, no restaurants, anything like that? No, not this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like for people that want to, you know, that want to start a backyard farm and be an urban farmer, what is your experience with like selling at farmer's markets or, I mean, you started this venture and you didn't even know like what markets you were going to be in right i mean that's that's a whole thing like applying and getting in and then and then how has it been selling at markets like is it hard is it like just for new people how so we were um lucky enough that the uh, gracious farmers market host <laughs> let us come our first yes. season technically of growing so that could be an issue would be the uh, gaining of trust that you can supply sure. for a market so um we were lucky in that regard but um since we did share our experience and whatnot prior i think that helped helped our case a little bit but the market isn't, I wouldn't say it's hard. Uh, if You have to like people. Um, if you're not a people person, I guess that yeah. might be kind of difficult. But um, I actually didn't know how much I enjoyed interacting with people until we started doing the farmer's market. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it was a pleasant surprise. That is cool. And yeah. it's kind of different than like, say, just a job where you have to sell something because it's a product that we can, that we're proud of and can stand behind and... Um, that you grew yourself and so it's kind of it's a lot different than just like a retail mm-hmm. sure kind of job the barrier to entry is pretty low for a farmer's market which is great yeah. for somebody who's wanting to do what we're doing yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's cool that's cool and you guys have grown 
again, you've, you've I, I love watching your following. And you've grown to two tents this year, yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so, that definitely helped as well. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't fit much more on our table because we are kind of unique in a sense that we grow so many items on a small plot. It's um, not like we just have, you know, one major crop. So we need table space to display all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's beautiful, by the way. I love beautiful. the way you guys set that up. Oh, thank you. We, we ought to get a picture of how oh, we of their, we'll put of their the setup. Yeah, yes. I've got some on my phone. So we'll yeah. Kind of a funny story. Notes. The uh, fence that we use as the facade, the shelf space to kind of get layers on our table, uh, we found on the property, actually, it used to be a fence that somebody just threw to the side and has been sitting there for years and years and so we just cut it and perfectly used it. weathered yes yeah. you, can, you cannot it. buy that <laughs> that weathered look yeah it's real <laughs> is there so like what are your big products i know you guys yeah. grow lots of things but what are the things that like people come back for all the time and the spring mix the spring the mix. lettuce oh, blend. yeah microgreens beets and Carrots are pretty popular. Mm-hmm. We've learned this year, we've tried a couple of um, crops that were experimental a little bit, like kohlrabi and turnips. Yep. And we did turn a lot of people on to them. Um, it helps that Justin has been a chef for 17 years, so uh, he was able to give them recipe ideas and whatnot. But we've learned that if somebody has to ask us, what is this? It's not going to like do too well for us yeah. at the market. If you have to explain it, you're slowing down the line. And yeah. Just get them in, get them out. So we're kind of yeah. learning to so. just focus on, you know, the staples that people love and are just going to grab without even asking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you have the microgreens, which is different. From, I mean, no one else has those. And that's, that's true. That's mm-hmm. like the kind of, I think, a major thing that sets you apart is having those fresh nutrient-packed microgreens. That is know? true. That is one that we are willing to teach people about mm-hmm. um, because it that's one that people really get hooked on. Like once you start adding microgreens, you kind of do get into that habit. So um, talk about microgreens. What are they? How do you grow them? That type of thing. So it's <clears throat> just a really densely seeded seed of any, almost any vegetable. vegetable or green. Um, that we only allow to grow up until about 21 to 24 days and then we cut it down and they've they've only grown about two or three inches by that time so they're really small they're micro greens um mm-hmm. so it's the same like garnish that pe- that chefs have been using in fine dining restaurants for years but it wasn't until 2012 a study came out on their nutritional content and um, most microgreens are about six times as nutrient dense as their adult counterparts, but broccoli is forty times. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Broccoli is the big one. Do you guys do broccoli microgreens yep. as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. We actually um, did a blend. We had a rainbow mix, and it had like red amaranth and these cool things. But the amaranth has like a shorter shelf life than the other oh. microgreens, oh, and yeah. we didn't have it one time, and so we only had kale, kohlrabi, Cabbage. turnip. And they're all like brassicas. And we're like, man, these are the most nutrient-dense microgreens. Let's call it Powerhouse. And I swear, just the name like, sold that product. So that's oh, another, that's cool. Yeah. And so that's pretty popular because it has the broccoli. So it's nice to have a couple options in the microgreens where if somebody's going for nutrient content, we point them in the Powerhouse. We grow a mustard green that tastes like wasabi. And so that one, as soon as people see the word wasabi, if you're a spice fan, they like they want it and oh, so if, cool. if you go for the spice we point them that direction and then sunflower shoots and pea shoots are probably our best seller or some of our best sellers and kids tend to like them too and so they're both good source of plant protein and um, sunflower shoots have essential fatty acids and I think they're like 30% protein so and they've just got a great texture so we've been adding microgreens to like every meal that we make almost we, we call it like yeah. R&D but really <laughs> it's, just, it's ridiculous we put so much microgreens in things yeah so do you do you let some of the crops grow and go to seed so you can have the seed for microgreens are you so it's a repurchase of seeds? No, we, do. we don't collect any seeds, actually, just because of the uniformity of buying a seed in um, and the labor it takes to harvest the seed and prepare it. Okay. Yeah. With, with how many microgreen trays? We, we probably plant anywhere from 40 to 50 trays a week. Okay. Um, so that's, that's a lot of seed. 
and you yeah. keep them growing in a tray. You don't put them in the dirt. You you know outside. No, so but around. you can. But yeah. we don't. It but just, you, yeah, it keeps he the product the sunflowers cleaner. Sunflowers for me from the microgreens. Right. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, we grow basil outdoors. But for the most part, all of the microgreens are grown indoors under lights, just because okay. they like the constant temperature and a lot easier like, to manage. Yeah, they don't like direct sunlight. Okay. So, oh yeah, because it can just melt them. Essentially, yeah, they're super finicky. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. if they're after they've been under a fluorescent light for any amount of time and then put it <laughs> into the sun, they don't like that. Okay. Yeah. And you just cut them and bag them and sell them. You or got is it. it a bag or is it a clamshell? We do a little clamshell. clamshell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. I know. <laughs> we had uh, we had four containers of microgreens. And there was a little experiment. They were already, you know, this big. I don't even remember what they were. But they were put outside and they melted in an hour. Mm-hmm. And they were just gone. They don't last long. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of them were gone. Yeah. It was a sad time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, who, what are these doing outside and who forgot yeah, about that? They're dead. Oh. <laughs> they're dead. It was an experiment and it did not work. So speaking of things that did and do not did work or didn't work, what are some of the uh, some of the good decisions you've made? Maybe some of the maybe not bad decisions, but things you've learned. Yeah, things you've learned. What went awry? What have, what have you seen that surprised you, or you know, anything? Did you have? rabbits come and eat all of your food or write your name in eatings out there in the field (laughs) or hail hail. Uh, mainly you know this year we haven't had a single uh, you know piece of ice come down out of the sky i don't even mention the word yeah yeah. knocking on wood (laughs) i think i said that to you guys at westminster and you were like don't not we don't say it yeah quiet (laughs) we got hit real hard last year last year with the golf ball size Mm -hmm hail in may and we justin had just laid out a couple hundred dollars worth of irrigation that uh, got ruined and they all go it all went right in the dumpster the next and, uh, day, was so. it drip tape or something mm-hmm. oh. yeah yeah and also all of the oh. beds that we had just prepped we just got like pain. pummeled to where it was just like a oh. cement surface. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you had to re reprep all of everything yeah. everything yeah so that really set us back but um we were really lucky that we were growing microgreens last season our first farmer's market we only had microgreens yes yeah mm-hmm. so but you guys recovered really well last year too from yeah from a, a hail that was amazing yeah yeah I out mean, of out of necessity we we healed fast. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was emotionally damaging for sure but we, yeah you just got to get back up and so there's the nothing you can really do about hail so what are what are some choices that you've made or some farming decisions that you've made that you've learned from that you're um a lot of our rows will have um like shade cloth like for the lettuce and whatnot and i don't know how much it helps Mm -hmm. but when it starts we hear about hail we run out there and just put the shade cloth over (laughs) i don't know if it's gonna help monitoring the weather reporting like constantly yeah several times a day and you're always looking outside so yeah but there's not much you can do um we are looking into uh a type of greenhouse plastic that does with, withstand hail. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, of course, would be future plans. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we don't have any greenhouses or any sort of season extensions. That's kind of limiting for us right now as far mm-hmm. as beginning and end of the year. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're planning on some hoop houses for next season, so we get an early jump on the production. Oh, yeah, nice. It's, it's crucial. I mean, you have yeah. to have it here. So right. you know there's a, a grant for those type of things as well and i think your sister's organization is the one that handles this yeah she told us yeah. about it yeah, yeah. oh did she <laughs> just like just like loans for farm projects like that and oh, nice. houses, yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's cool i uh, we've actually talked to quite a few farmers that they their first greenhouse was from is it nrcs is that what you said what does it stand for the soil conservation national i can yeah <laughs> nationals in there somewhere <laughs> yeah. national conservation yeah i don't know oh natural anyway so how do you water do you have do you city water are you guys on well water or um, ditch water or how does that work we use a bit of both okay we have a real shallow well that produces a little bit of water that we can use but um 
we have to bring it to a secondary reservoir and then have another pump that pumps it out. So <laughs> oh, that's cool, though. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not strong enough the, for the sprinklers. Right, so the well pump doesn't have enough pressure, so we had to oh, okay. overcome some challenges for sure. But um, it, we use overhead and drip irrigation. Okay, mm-hmm. and and city water as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay, so you have so. How do you, how does that work with like there being four units and you guys, do you have like a, uh, something that tracks your water usage or all the water comes off of our building. Okay. So, um, okay. that we, we would use. So oh, okay. we don't Got it. get into our neighbor's water. At all. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Water's crazy. Um, city water <laughs> yeah. is, is just, it's nuts. Um, I noticed at our house when you would water whatever you were watering when you when we watered with city water it had a a kind of tent a a different tent to the grass and then we used ditch water and it it, you know it makes so much better it's night and day but then we think about ditch water on crops and we're thinking well what's in that water though that then goes into those crops that Mm -hmm. we're going to put into our body Mm -hmm. Um, that's back at home but it's nice that it's free, but <laughs> well, ditch, ditch water is not free. Well, it's, well, uh, it's not free, uh, but it's right. it's forty dollars a year. Seventy. Oh, seventy. That's it's how much gone you guys up. pay for it. Yeah, and you have a residence, not a farm. Right, right, we have a residence. exactly. Yeah, so right. we have a residence, and it's only for you know irrigation for your. Uh, yeah, if we turned right. the whole thing into, which would probably be less than grass anyway, so we just don't water really the grass anymore. It's, we have to get rid of the grass. We gotta get rid of Grow the grass. Grow something useful. Grow food, not rocks. Yeah. <laughs> water is the biggest obstacle for any farmer in Colorado, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, I it, when we got out here to the farm, we saw people farming and doing dry land, and I'd heard of dry land, um, but I, I didn't know really exactly what it is. Exactly what it sounds like. They don't use water. Uh, they pray for rain. They pray for rain, yeah. um, and then they plant at the right time of year most of the time. But I, I was just amazed. I didn't think anything would grow with that. I mean, you can't really grow vegetables. You can no. only grow commodities mm-hmm. with that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Is there any kind of dry land food crop? Well, I feel like sugar beets are really popular here in the uh, early. They are, yeah. Because they're drought, more or less drought resistant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we learned about flood irrigation mm-hmm. and thought about <laughs> thought about city water with flood <laughs> irrigation. Don't, it's just do it. not gonna <laughs> no. happen right here. <laughs> and flood irrigation, while it's the way that people irrigate out here, it's a, it's a bit inefficient. A bit's yeah. a lot of it. It's super inefficient. <laughs> and, um, yeah. In overhead watering at the same in the same respect is kind of wasteful. Um, if you don't do it at the right time, but sure, right. drip irrigation is probably the way to go. Yeah, isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. And it, it, do you guys do subsurface or do you do surface drip? We just do tape on the surface. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you did even after you lost it in year two, I guess you went back to it again. Yep. Well, so did mm-hmm. we. Okay, so I don't feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, earlier, before we started recording, we were talking about. Uh, plastic mulch and things so do you use something like plastic mulch or do you guys use plastic mulch or how do you do that last year we used a red plastic mulch on our tomatoes on this on the ground where our tomatoes are planted but uh had mixed results with that weeds came up through it pretty easy it's a real thin type of plastic so we decided not to do that again okay we use landscape fabric sunbelt fabric it's pretty durable you can use it for a couple years we and we just burn holes into it with a, a blowtorch and a can. Oh, that's cool. And uh, it, Did you read about that or did you just figure that out? We, we've learned... That one's an urban farmer. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's actually crucial because if you cut it with a box knife, it, the, it'll fray. And it'll just oh turn. okay. So, Who knows what like fumes s- we're inhaling as we're <laughs> burning the holes? But yeah, so that kind of keeps the hole where you want it to be. Okay, and it just melts the hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where do you? It's, so you heat up a can, and it just we put the oh. can on the fabric and just go. He cut both sides of the can so it goes right through. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that's cool. That it. takes no time. Yeah. And then you get to reuse it. 
several years. Yeah, we're on our second He'll year He'll write, now. like, eggplant just for the spacing. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Not that we grow eggplant anymore, actually. No. No? Why not eggplant? <laughs> that was one of those things we tried last year that wasn't very popular. It didn't it produce? I don't know. It was kind of in the shade. Yeah. So we had a lot of eggplant out here, and it was beautiful, amazing, big, small, so different colors. Yeah different shapes we had some that was perfectly round some that looked you know kind of football like or whatever but you're right nobody nobody wanted it well they all wanted like the thin like almost like white zucchini ones. shaped or cucumber shaped i guess um but they didn't want the plant. giant beautiful ones yes. right well because then yeah what am I going to do with all this eggplant right. yeah. most of the time yeah. people don't know what's good for them right yeah, yeah. yeah. you can only struggle to sell somebody some eggplant for so long before you're like I'm not going to grow this when we were growing, <laughs> yeah. when we were growing kohlrabi you're selling that's kohlrabi that's what I want to hear about yeah, yeah um, I think what 70% of people came up to us and said my grandma used to grow this yes. everybody said uh-huh. I love this as a kid my and grandpa grew this unfortunately died with grandma they should, nobody grows it and eats it anymore so <laughs> um, we, I love kohlrabi and as a chef I've used it so much in root veggie mixes over the years and I've I love it and it's Proof that the things you like don't always sell yeah. <laughs> uh, right. that well. Yeah. I hadn't seen kohlrabi until we moved to Colorado. Um, had yeah, you? No, that was the first time. I'd never, never even heard, heard of, of it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because we're from an area of the country where they can grow almost everything. But yes. I never, never had seen it. So what, what should somebody do with their kohlrabi from their local farmer's market? What's, what's something fun to do? Well... A little tip here, kohlrabi has more vitamin C than an orange. Oh, um, nice. So that doesn't tell you how to eat it. But, no. Um, but can you, you can eat so it like an apple, juice though, it. can't you? You can. Yeah. It's super good for you, and it's, and it's actually delicious. It can be used as a potato substitute, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to do low carb or something. Oh, um, that's cool. You can also shave it and use it as the base of a coleslaw. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we've also read a recipe. We didn't try it though to shave it and then like batter it and make fritters. Was it fritters? Yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh, that sounds good. Like actually, people do that with zucchini. Like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Most of our customers said they just slice it and eat it raw with salt and pepper. Yeah. Okay. So and that's honestly how we. Or in a salad, I guess. Mm-hmm. How, how like big it. should it be when somebody buys their next kohlrabi? Because uh, once well, like I've a seen, or something? if you yeah. if they get too big, they're kind of woody. So, okay. Yeah, baseball size. And those are the first ones I saw. They were like as big as a human head. Yeah, they can get more <laughs> bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it looked like a Martian's head, I yeah. guess, didn't they? It's a weird looking vegetable. It really yeah. is. <laughs> so as big as a baseball or a softball is. That's yeah. probably as big as you'd want to go with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. So what? What? Um, you do tomatoes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, They're just coming in. Yeah. Sad tomato year. Seems for like us. everybody's had a hard time with tomatoes this year. There's, do you guys do peppers? No. Okay. Maybe in the future, but okay. They're kind of a long day to maturity, so they are, yeah. in order to fit three rotations into each bed, we can't grow peppers. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I think that's neat that you guys do. You even grow them for yourself? Uh no. no. That's cool. So what you're growing for yourself is what you're growing for everyone too. Yep. We considered having like a personal garden. I've had a lot of people give us seeds and stuff to grow. Actually, we have this seed. We really want to grow my best friend in South Dakota. Her um, grandma is Lakota Sioux and found uh, Native American corn. And it was like buried in a... Uh, under, under a cabin or something? Yeah, like like... near Indian Reservation. And um, they grew one crop of it and then gave us the seeds and so i'm sure this corn leaf doesn't exist anymore so we've been oh, that's we've, cool. we've been meaning to do a personal garden but justin doesn't have time <laughs> tough, so yeah. he just focuses all on the mm-hmm. market garden and we just eat from there <laughs> that's really cool that's really good so what tomatoes are you growing by the way we do mostly cherry varieties they tend to grow uh really well and for a long time here in this climate uh so we do a sunrise bumblebee uh, indigo cherry drop we always grow sakura which is just a red cherry we like mm-hmm. having like a mix of colors in our uh, mm-hmm. tomato yeah. and then um, early girl and we grow a green zebra those are our two larger ones but okay. kind of kind of a not a real big tomato game this year we're okay. hoping to go much bigger next year and okay. mainly because we are um, 
we prefer to grow them in a greenhouse. And so we're kind of like doing some workarounds and he built a big trellis system, but once the wind comes, you know, they kind of, yeah. it killed our cucumbers since they're so uh-huh. sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not like the wind, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we won't and grow cucumbers outside of a greenhouse. Who knew, like, okay. how horrible the wind was until, like, until you start farming, you don't even really right. realize yeah. the wind. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you guys from again? What part of the country are you from? I'm from South Dakota. I'm from upstate New York. But we, we met in South Carolina. And we moved okay. here in 2011 from Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. All right. And so there was wind in South Dakota. Mm. Lots of wind. Uh, not, there wasn't... People from New York would say that there's wind there, I'm sure. But they don't know what wind is until you get to the interior west. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is it's true. Just like, our, you know, the thunderstorms are much more violent but much briefer here as well, you know. Yeah. So that was... Uh, I, that, to me, is still something that is... I think it's the worst weather phenomenon out there. It, it just wind. Wind. I know yeah. hail will destroy things, and it'll do it, you know, in an instant. But the constant, constant wind is just. I remember one time we 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 planted, and I think we put two hundred plants in the ground, and, and the wind was just a constant, like thirty five miles an hour. So. Your tools are blowing away. Everything is <laughs> off. <laughs> and then you go inside and you feel like the, you know what those plants feel like when you go inside on a windy day. You feel like you could drink a gallon of water and it still does nothing for right. you. Yeah. I think it definitely is a benefit to us being in an urban setting because there's so much windbreak around us. Sure. So that definitely helps. Yeah. Being out here uh, in the plains is, I it's can only rough. imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you guys do, I, I know you, you did, did you do another farmer's market besides Arvada last year, or was you, were you just in Arvada? We're at the Westminster for a short period of time also. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and so, we also, you have, you guys are in like a, a nice wind enclave of, of not much wind, even with your farmer's oh, markets. Oh, yes. Even with those markets, yes. Because we've had a couple of gusts come through this year, but... I don't know that we've ever had a tent get lost there. No. Knock on wood Knock again on wood. for that. Yeah. But that <laughs> right. is the scariest thing, being at a market and having a microburst come through. Yeah. And everybody's holding their tents mm-hmm. down. And you see the shoppers just looking around like, oh, that's so... And you're like, and you're like get you're, in your your life is at risk, young lady! <laughs> get the <heck> out of there. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, most everybody seems to have the proper weights. This right. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So. Right. This year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm not. A, and not... even if sometimes, like we've had a market, people had proper weights, cinder. Well, but they were using cinder blocks. Oh. Yeah. It was oh, heavy was enough, crazy. but maybe not the best thing to use. No, it's not. But it picked a tent up with the cinder blocks on yep. all four legs. Story and gets better. One of the blocks hit one of the guys working at that booth in the head and knocked him out. Whoa. He's out, and he was a big, big dude, too. Just knocked him out cold. Whoa. So, and then the tent blew 300 feet yeah. with cinder blocks <laughs> across the road all the way into, like, the Lowe's Like, big door. signage. And, yeah, it was amazing. Where was this? And it, it jumped over 88th, which, for people that don't know where that is that are listening, it's it was, I think it was eight lanes that it jumped over. You know, two yeah. turn lanes and right. then two middle yeah. lanes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that was, and then there were so many tents lost that day, and um, yeah, you know, and then the ambulance came, and that was a horrible. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy, horrible time. thing. <laughs> but so, now it's in a different location. So take away wind, please. No more wind. Can we yeah. agree? <laughs> All right. Tell us something about you guys, about the way you farm, or what you do that makes you guys stand apart from the from the pack. I'd say that it's probably because we grow. Uh, we only grow the produce that, what am I trying to say? We only sell the produce that we grow. That's so cool. We don't aggregate any produce in from other farmers. We do, however, get in eggs from our friend who has a farm up in east of Fort Collins in Alt. 
our 18 chickens could not keep up with the demand. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's like that's six awesome. dozen a week at best. So oh, okay. we can't. Okay. Those are sold by 915. Right. <laughs> the market, so. right. That's really cool. That's really cool. And it makes it for a lean time at the beginning of the year, doesn't it? It does. But then yeah. you hit mid season or right now in September. But August, there's a lot of. in September. Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, yeah, but I think we're almost at, well, you know, the tomatoes are almost ready as yeah, well. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet that feels good, though, you know, to weather the early stuff and then boom, crush it come yeah, peak season. Yeah, it seems like it's never going to come. Every Thursday I'm out there biting my nails like, what are we going to bring to the market? And <laughs> somehow we managed to harvest enough. I don't know how we do it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> That's a cool. Uh, that's a cool distinguisher. So, okay, um, and tell us your favorite crop to grow. I know we've talked, we touched close, but I want to hear the favorite to grow. Is there a favorite? You don't have to say yes. Tomatoes are my favorite thing to grow, hmm. just because of how easy they are. I guess um, <laughs> <laughs> um, lettuce is a it grows really well, but it's very labor intensive to wash, dry, and bag and label. Yeah. Okay. But he does love using his lettuce harvester. My greens harvester greens from harvester. Farmer's Friend is so much fun. Well, tell us about that. What is that? It combines a turkey knife with a car wash. Um, and it's powered <laughs> by a fabric. hand drill. So it, it, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's cool. So it pulls the lettuce over this blade and cuts it into the bag. And then we just tip it into the bucket. And that's how we harvest lettuce. It's they say that it's an 800% time savings versus harvesting by hand and scissors. So okay, we wouldn't grow lettuce with without this thing. Oh, that's cool. Nice. We wouldn't do it. I, and to say again, what's that called? It's uh, the Greens Harvester by Farmer's Friend LLC. Okay. So yeah, there's kind of an interesting new market for small farmers um, and all of the tools seem to be like pretty standardized with like 30 inch beds and... It's kind of interesting, like kind of straddling the line between, you know, everything being done by hand and machinery, you know, on a small scale. Yeah, yeah. it's very, it's very labor intensive. Lots of hand tools on okay. our farm. So sure. we do own a BCS tractor. Okay, so what's um, we, that stand for? It's, it's just the company name BCS. Okay. It stands okay. for the, the founders, their initials, yeah. I guess. Okay. But it's it. These tractors are made in Italy. They're very expensive. Um, but they're essentially a two-wheel walk-behind tractor that takes implements, different types of PTO implements. Um, Which is PTO. I don't even know what it stands Power for. Honestly. Powertrain train something. something. I, I don't know. Something along. So they make a you know a a like a a snowblower, a snowblower, a log splitter, a shredder. You know, there's probably thirty tools that go on the back of this thing. They're all really expensive, but it's super versatile. And okay. the advantage would be that it has um, the handles. You can walk in your pathway and uh, till your bed without stepping in your bed afterwards. Oh, it's kind of like offset the handles. Yeah, are. the handles yeah. can be set off. And Sorry. so uh, that's the main issue that we have with uh, large tractors is just the compacting of the soil and the space. Since we are so limited on space, uh, we use that two-wheel tractor um, for all of our tilling needs, although we are low till. Right. We try not to till really ever. We do, we till to form the beds and then we use broad forks and um, stirrup hose. Try not to damage the the consistency of the soil because okay. it seems like all the clay comes to the surface after you till yeah. and then it just alligator skins over at the, the yes. first afternoon without rain. So okay tilling is not good for the soil okay we try and do it as minimally as possible oh that's and good mainly yeah. if we're just like uh turning over lawn into a uh, growing space okay so i i looked up what pto is and it is uh it stands for parent teacher organization <laughs> <It's a PTO. laughs> um, it's actually a power takeoff okay so the, there you go the pto or power takeoff shaft mm-hmm. yeah so there we go yeah <laughs> yeah, so we're hoping to get a, a power harrow, which is essentially like a tiller, but it it's more like is egg a beaters. vertical. It's like an egg beater kind of motion instead oh, of a rotary cool. tiller. So, so you don't disturb the you don't life. mix the layers of soil. You don't bring seeds up from the lower layers. Okay, which 
a lot of weeds come from just tilling. Bringing. Which is Love amazing it. to think yeah. about because mm-hmm. they stay down in the soil for a long, Decades. long they do. time. Yeah. Super long. Yeah. Do you do you have um, goat heads? Uh, the weeds? Yeah, the yeah. weed no, goat head. No, we That's have. a blessing. <laughs> um, I wondered if they grew in Arvada. I don't know um, if I've... Can I know if I've ever identified a weed out there as a goat head? We have uh, lambs, uh, lamb's tail. Okay. Um, we have bindweed. We have yeah. lots you of that. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> and per- purslane, which is apparently Purslane. great for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Purslane's everywhere in our garden. Yeah. So it's beautiful. It's it, it is. I mean, so when, when you when you're weeding and you have just to pull that right out, out like, too. Yeah. 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 Especially if there's a little bit of moisture, mm-hmm. it's almost too Super easy. It's like yeah. cheating. <laughs> well, now I'm wondering, like, should I make a tea out of this? Right. Like, yeah. do I need to eat yeah. this? It's apparently, very yeah, very healthy probably. for me. Yeah. Okay. So we are we are really uh, we're down to the last the last question. Have you guys had a chance to think about the last question? We forgot to like converse about what oh, the billboard. Was. I think oh. I got it. Okay, so okay. I think it's. Well, hold on. Hold oh, on, you guys got to ask, ask the question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so if you guys could put a message out there to the world, whether it's a billboard or a text message to somebody or just some way of getting a message out to every human um, or as many people as possible, what what would that message be? Or like be? a motto you live by. And you can each, you know, you can have separate ones. Oh, okay. No, it has to be a team. <laughs> we do everything together. You get, you get four words and you get, you get four words as well. No, I'm just joking. Is that the limit? Well, now that I'm going to go six, it's save our soil, save our planet. Because so much, I think, uh, climate change or you know, nice. whatever you want to call it is just directly attributed to lack of organic matter in our soils and lack of biology in our soils. And if we were to rebuild a lot of the soil that we've lost, um, it would have the potential to feed the earth. You know, that's the world. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love, that's the first answer that I, I think is like truly, truly farm related too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's great. So... so your passion, it, it's cool to see that those are, those are truly, truly married in you, you know? So that's neat. Impactful too. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. And it's we, we we need to save our soil. Yeah, and really good soil leads to tastier crops too, and tastier whatever you're growing. Mm-hmm. Nutrient packed yes. crops. Yeah. So are you going with that, or are you you going are you going out on yeah, your own? Yeah, no, that's he pretty much ripped off what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> she probably actually did say that. No, I, I said I said to rebuild the soil and okay. to save the earth. Or is it rebuild the earth? No, save the earth. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. We're after 13 years together. We're on the same, we're same not, wavelength. Yeah. It's great. We're not it? a bunch of hippies. We just want to have successful farming. Yeah, yeah. and maybe you know. a future. And, it, and yeah. it'd be cool for humans to be alive in yeah. 150 yeah. years. That would be great. So, have either of you come? Like, has your ancestors been farmers? I mean, or you know, I mean, everyone used to be farmers, but. Hmm. That well, you grew up with, like going to grandparents' farms or anything like that. Uh, my grandpa did have a garden in South Dakota, um, but and apparently he always wanted to farm, and he would like circle little hobby farms in the newspaper and be like, "Oh, that's cool. grandma." And then my grandma grew up on a farm, and she was like, "No, I want city life in South Dakota," <laughs> you know. And so uh, they, it never happened, and I guess it's because they had eight kids. It was kind of hard to get going, but eight um, kids and they no had farm. enough. What? I know they had free enough. labor that they could have wanted but um other than that i my great grandma had goats because my my um great uncle couldn't withstand cow's milk okay okay so um yeah we we were considering goats versus sheep but yeah that would be the only kids that we'd want okay (laughs) so you're like kind of first generation farmers that's that's a great pod by the way i I like it first and last (laughs) first and last generation i think that's great too (laughs) all right so uh, how can people find out more about you how can they get in touch with you website social all that good stuff we're at towerviewfarmyard.com and you can also find us on facebook instagram 
and Wolf if you'd like to volunteer oh, cool. on the farm. Yes. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for coming today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. you guys are awesome. This is fun. And hopefully it's an inspiration to all those people that keep dreaming about having a farm, starting yeah. a farm. Yeah, yeah. We, we hope so. You should definitely do it. You know, the, the best thing you can do is just start. Start doing it. You yeah. sound like Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I've got just too much start. to do. Just, just start. Just do just it. Just start. Just yeah, start. just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, like the over planner, overthinker. <laughs> yeah. It's just out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, you can find show notes at edibleeconomy.com and also subscribe to the podcast where you listen, where you get all your podcasts from. Yes, and that's a big help. follow us on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> it's lifeblood. Yes, yes, yes. Don't be slackers. Just go subscribe. Yeah, get on it. All right. And did you Truth and Legend? And thanks to Truth and Legend Productions. And thanks, Kate. Kate, who never speaks. <laughs> thanks, Kate. <laughs> all right. Thank Bye, you. Guys. Thanks.